Well, it was one of those days you just didn't feel like getting up, huh? Oh, man. Anyways. You know, every time I speak, a lot of times I will drive home or on Sunday afternoon or Sunday, I think about, did I, did I make it to where there's an action plan? If I didn't, I always try and carry it into the next week. And, you know, as the Lord spoke last week about how that we need to realize it, that your greatest battle will always be right here. It, it, the devil will come to you first into your mind. And, and I got to thinking last week, what, what, what can we, what's the next step? What, what do we do to keep him out of there, keep him at bay, uh, so we can have the life that Jesus wants us to have? That's what we're going to look at today. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful today that, Lord, even though how the devil tries to so deceive us about ourself, but Lord, you've given us discernment. So Lord, I ask today as we look at your word for the next few minutes as Ben has led us in worship today, you would just clear our thoughts, our hearts, everything from this last week, anything that's just bothering us right now, Lord, help us to focus on you. And Jesus, you will calm our hearts and you will give us the discernment that we need by the renewing of our mind through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to look at deception versus discernment today. And I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. You know, I was preparing for this. I was thinking about something I did years ago. And, you know... I'm going back like 40 years now, all right? Man, unbelievable. You know, I love to watch, I, I love, I really like muscle cars. If I had, if I had money, yeah, I would, I would have several muscle cars. So anyway, so years ago, they, that's what they were called, muscle cars, and just cars in the 60s and the 70s. And so uh, I used to drive out to Arizona and pick vehicles up and drive them all the way back here and then I would make a little money and, and sell and I've shared that with you before. But there was one 68 Camaro that I got really really liked a lot and I, I never forget I was up in a softball tournament up in Kent and, uh, and I really wanted to see what this thing could do you know so even though I pushed it hard on the way back from Arizona so I, I get on the, get a, I'm going to get on the freeway and I, it's in first, slam it in second, and I go to hit it in the next gear, and I, I know I heard something that's not good. <laughs> and the whole engine just blew, boom, right getting on a freeway, you know? And, and, uh, and the first thing I thought of, oh, I gotta call my dad. <laughs> that's the first thing I thought of. Oh, man. So anyways, but, Here's, here's what I want to share with you about that, about that taking place. How did that happen? I caused that. I, I caused that engine to blow up because I, I wanted to push it. I wanted to see how far, whether it's a tachometer over into the red and see how far I could push that down, how far I could go. And the pressure caused it to blow. Any of us in our life can only handle so much. Here's what we do. 
we push it down, we push it down. And you know when you, you, you only realize when you really have hit it hard? Whether it's last week or last month, remember, when you get the flu. When you get the flu or you get a bad cold and you can't get out of bed, you start thinking about, man, you start thinking about how fast that you were going. And your body just says, I'm going to show you, you need to shut down for a while. Bam. And that's it. And you can't do anything. I really believe that that's how we live life in, in many ways. That we believe in the Lord. We believe in, in what his word says. And all of you are in agreement of that today. But all of us have those times that we're, we're just, we're going to continue to push it. And then we blow up. And we wonder, why did that happen? We did it. We were deceived that we could do this thing called life on our own strength. Deception or being deceived means to be misled. It means to, to take a little bit of truth and put a big lie in with it and pull you down the wrong road. And I believe within our minds, you know what the greatest deception that you and I face today is we want to try and push this thing in life ourselves. And then we get to the place to where, man, it's just, it, this is hard. And, and we hit it and we blow up and we start and we hit it and we blow up. Again, and we're, you, some of you might be exhausted right now and everything that's going on in your mind and all the things you're faced with with life. It's because here's why. Every time that happens, every time the engine blows in your life, which it does, something happens to all of us. Every time that happens, here's what we listen to, this deception. It's the devil. We don't even realize it. He's saying, you know, you're not really good at that. And then he goes a little further down the road. And then after he says that, he says, you know what? And then he brings somebody along to tell you, you'll, you'll never be able to achieve that. And then he brings somebody along, and then he just knocks you down a little further and a little further and a little further to where you and I are so to the place in our life now that we don't believe what we thought was a vision years ago, what you thought maybe in high school or what you thought maybe in college or what you thought in a workplace when you first started or where you're at in your marriage or in life right now. What happened? Why isn't that enthusiasm there anymore? We've been deceived. And by being deceived, we've decided that we're going to do this on our own. When, if you're fighting, which we're, we are, we're fighting. When we're fighting the devil... We have to go like we talked about last week. The only way that you're going to win, you have to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that begins by saying, Jesus, forgive me, a sinner. I ask you to come into my heart. Yeah, that's the first step as a believer. But there are also times we've got to go and say, Lord, I messed up. Will you forgive me? And he will. And there's a newness that takes place in your life. When that happens... The devil hates who you are, what you stand for. Even, even you know, even the devil hates non-believers. You know, he, he comes at a non-believer just as hard as he does in many ways as a believer. Look at all the bad things that happen. Now, I'm not saying that you don't have a harder time because he, he hates what you stand for. Why is that? The Bible says God's word were created in his image. We're created in his image. So that being said... 
and you want to get an action plan to where, you know, you've got this going on, you know that you want to do this, and, and the devil is constantly coming at you saying whatever you wanted to do in this life, and he knocks you down with it. He says, no, you're not, you, you're not be able to do that. You can't do that. You don't look right. You're not old enough. You don't have enough money. It's been too long. It's going to take too long. You don't have the equipment. You don't have the tools. You don't have the finances. He's constantly bombarding us. So I want you to take a deep breath. And I want you to realize, as we look at these verses, that it doesn't depend on you. I don't care if you're in high school. I don't care if you're retired or what age you are. There is still life to be lived. There is still a joy that, that we can have in, in, in this life. Because Jesus says, I came to give you life. That's truth. The devil came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So, what does Jesus want to do? What does he want to do? He wants to complete. Well, let me, let me not get him. Let's look at Philippians chapter 1 or verse 6. The very first thing I want you to realize today, we're just going to look at a couple of verses, is you know you can take a deep breath today because when you know in your mind you know that you're trying to do what the Lord wants you to do and whatever it is out there that you decide that you want to do and have the Lord in the middle of it, there's the greatest thing. doesn't depend on you or me. If you don't have this verse memorized, I encourage you to do to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you, that's us today, he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, so he takes us home or till, till the Lord comes back. Have you, have you looked at your life and, and just kind of like, well, this is the way it's going to be? Or are you willing to say, Lord, you've, you've saved me for a reason. There, there's a purpose here. And I know I'm always going to be in a battle. But you told me that there's, there's something only I can do. And... and and once I realize, and the devil's constantly fighting in my mind, once I realize that that, that vision is in there and that it doesn't depend on me that you're going to complete it, you know what? Here's, here's what's going to happen. You're not, you're not going to press it so hard that the engine's going to blow. You're going to flow, as we talk about many times in the Message Bible, you're, you're going to flow in his rhythm of grace. But know this. You're always going to be in a battle. It's interesting, if you are in the Israeli army, everybody, everybody who grows up in Israel, male or female, if you are healthy enough, you have to serve. Because it's such a, 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 we all know how little Israel is. It's the size of New Jersey. And think of the size of New Jersey facing the rest of the world, like the size of New Jersey facing all the United States with all the weaponry and warf warfare and everything that, that could go and the, and the people and the money, everything. This little nation, you have to serve. Everybody does. Interesting fact, though. When they know that, that whether it's Syria or, or whether it's Gaza or whether it's threat of another nation, and they know and they get all the intel, you know, they had the very first spies. The very first spies, they, they went into Jericho. 
They've been spying for thousands of years. They, they know how to spy. That being said, they know when something or someone or whatever it is going to come out of the sky is going to come against them. This is what they do. They have the fighter pilots in, actually are not in a dorm. They're not in the hangar. When they know there's such a threat of war, they have to actually sit in the cockpit of the plane. And they'll have like four or five pilots. And every few hours, they transfer them in and out. That's how serious they take this threat of war. I want you to take this threat of war that, that's coming against your mind so serious that you get up every day knowing you don't have to panic, but there's a battle going on. The battle for your life, for your marriage, for your finances, for your health, for your future. It's constantly a battle. And you're going to blow that engine up if you try and do it yourself. The Lord has equipped us to say, I'm going to do it for you. But here's what he expects us to do. I want us to go to a story that we looked at probably a year and a half ago. But we're going to look at it in a different way. I love the stories of the Old Testament. It just has such, gives us such clear pictures of our life. In 2 Kings in chapter 14, it's about the prophet Elisha. Now, before Elisha, there was Elijah. Elijah, Elijah performed 16 miracles in the Old Testament. And Elisha was, if you will, a servant of the prophet Elijah. And, and he said, I want what you have. And he says, well, if you want what I have, you've got to be with me when the Lord, the Lord takes me out of here. He says, you've got to be with me. He says, okay. So he was. And he says, if I'm there when the Lord takes you out of here, I want a double portion. He says, okay. So that happened. So the Bible is so clear and accurate. So Elijah performs 16 miracles. Elisha performs 32. Amazing. Now here's the, here's the key I want you to get. The king of Israel saw the miracles that Elisha performed. Elisha, now he was getting ready to die. As he was getting ready to die, isn't it amazing? I don't know if you're like you, but if there's somebody in your life that was, that you really look to as, 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 as a spiritual rock, was getting, that's getting ready to die, and especially when you're younger, uh, you, you have some type of fear that's going on. You know, it's, as we have when anybody we know that we're close to passes away, there's, there's, a, there's just fear. The king of Israel began to panic because he saw this great spiritual leader. He's leaving, and now what is the king of Israel going to do about all these wars that are around him, especially those that hate Israel? So he goes to Elisha, and this is what happens in the story. Elisha becomes sick with an illness of which he would die. Then Joaz, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. What is he saying? What, what, what is he talking about here? He's saying, This is it. I mean, it's not good. I mean, We've got a few chariots and a few horses, and, you know, this is exactly what we do. Lord, this is, this is it. 
my finances, you know, this is it, Lord. He's there. He, he knows that. Or, or you fill in the blank about relationships or work situation or whatever. I don't, I don't know what it is. You fill it in. It's no surprise to the Lord. What he began in you, believe the promise, he will complete it. He will give you everything you need to complete it. Everything. If we're willing to believe. If we trust him. See, there's that devil. He's coming in. It's taking too long. The Lord can't use you. Look what you used to. See, all the time, you, that, that's going on. That battle's going on. And the Lord's saying, here, I want you to know it first doesn't depend on you. I want you to always remember that. What happens in this life, what you do, your success, your, your joy, everything depends on the Lord if we're willing to look to him. So the king's panicking. He didn't panic all the while that Elisha was living. But he feels inadequate without him. We should recognize that. Without the Lord, when we're going along a path and we're not in the word or we're not listening to messages, maybe some through the week or we're not meditating and learning, there should be a big alarm going off, you know. I was getting ready early this morning, and I, I don't know why. I went over and got my keys for some reason, put it in my pocket while I was getting ready. I don't know why. I, I never do that. So I was in the bathroom getting ready, and I sp smashed my leg against the, the counter, and the alarm went off, you know, of, of the truck, you know. Why? Then my dog starts barking, going crazy. I mean, it's just so loud. I'm all thinking of my neighbors. Everybody's here. Also. That, that's what should happen. When we're not where we are supposed to be lined up with the Lord. Because when we are, we don't have to worry about pressure. We don't have to worry about pushing it. Because we will blow. All we've got to do is take a deep breath. The Lord's got this. The Lord's got it today, whatever it is in your life. Let him do it. The king was panicking. We pick up the rest of the story. Elisha said to him, take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. And then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. I love that. It, it's warfare. It's warfare. And he says, okay, I want you to take the bow. And I want you, and, and I want you to start to pull it back. As you pull it back, Elisha comes and puts his hand over the front part of the bow. And then he comes around and puts his hand over where he pulls it back. You know what? This is the Lord. That's what he does for us. You know, you know what we have to realize? It, here's you and I. Here's where we're going. We got it all right here. We're ready to go. We pull it back. And the Lord said, hold on, hold on, hold on a second. And he takes, a, takes his hand and he says, no, it's just a little over this way. That's what he wants to do. It says he came around, took his hand around the back and in the front. Let's continue. And he said, open the east window and he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot, and he shot. 
And he said, the era of the Lord's deliverance and the era of deliverance from Syria. <clears throat> what was he trying to get confident, secure, as he was dying to the king? I, I'm just going to assure you, God is in control. He's always been in control of Israel. And I showed you exactly what to do. Shoot out towards Israel. You have won the victory. God will give you the victory. That's just one. I want you to remember that. See, because you and I can have a victory. But we live in this life. I, I don't know how long you're going to live. I, I don't know how long I'm going to live. But as we live in this life, and we have one victory, there's going to be a lot of other battles. And the devil will get this. The devil will even let you win a victory or two to set you up for the fall. That's how he works. Pastor buddy of mine, I had the greatest respect for our love. 25 years, built the eighth, seventh largest church in America out of 350,000 churches. And the devil let him go for 25 years, thousands and thousands of people saved, 20,000 people on a weekend. He waited 25 years, all those victories, and he took him out. He took him out because he let his guard down. And immorality came in and destroyed his ministry, his marriage, and everything else. The devil waited 25 years and let him win all those victories. You can never, ever, ever let your guard down. Ever. If you know this of the Old Testament warriors, when they would sleep on a battlefield, they slept with their complete armor on. And that's what we should do. So the story continues, and this is where it gets really interesting. And then he said, well, let me back up again. The error of the Lord's deliverance and the error of deliverance from Syria, they're enemies. For you must strike the Syrian at Apex till you have destroyed them. Get that. Don't forget that. Until you have destroyed them. Then he said, again, the prophet said, isn't it interesting? Every word. When you have your quiet time with the Lord, every word that he says, listen. It means everything means something. Then he said, take the arrows, and he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. Now let me go back up. I want to read the last part of that verse before. Till you have destroyed them. He's given them an insight. I want you to be so strong to know that you're going to have to battle until you have destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrows, and he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground Take the arrows, take, take like, I don't know, four or five, take four or five of them, and I want you to strike the ground with them. So he struck three times and stopped. Isn't that just like us? It's just like us. See, I want you to know that the Lord has more for you than what you think he does. You think you don't deserve it. You know what? I don't, we don't deserve anything that the Lord gives us. It's by his grace. 
that your marriage is still together. It's by his grace that your finances are doing better. It's by his grace you fill in the blank, whatever it might be. It's by his grace. And then, and then all of a sudden, and we go on for a while, and then we think, oh, yeah. oh, boy, the Lord's been good. I don't know if I should, you know, ask for this or, you know. He always wants to take you to the next level. He's always got something better for you. But I want you to know there's always going to be a battle. Be thankful for the battle. If there's not a battle in your life, you're going to fall. A battle keeps you ready. You're aware. You know what's happening. We're going to close with that in a minute. But it said he took the arrows after, after Elijah says, listen, go destroy them. Annihilate them. Now, here's what I want you to do. Strike the ground. One, two, three. That's it. Elisha got angry. Why did he get angry? You and I miss what the Lord has for us because we, we think, well, this is it. You know, I was saved years ago and, you know, uh, well, things are, things are okay. I mean, decent, you know, we're getting through, getting by. Wait a minute. Yeah, is there a battle? You're going to have a battle. But you're always going to have a victory. And you're always going to, as the Bible says, enjoy the spoils of war, the gold, the horses, the camels, every, everything. The Lord wants to give you more. Don't, don't think that he doesn't. The Lord, there's going to be a battle, but the Lord always wants to bless you. So as this continues, listen, and we're going to close in just a minute. And the man of God was angry with him. You know, you know what I believe? I believe that the Lord can even get angry with us because here he's saying, I all these, all these things I want to bless you with and all I'm asking you to do is be willing to trust me when you step into the battle and know that, you know what, no matter what the devil puts in your head that you can't achieve it, you believe, you trust me, you have the faith that I'm going to do what I need to do in this life through you. I'm going to bless you and bless you again and again and again. And does the Lord get angry with us? I think maybe that he does sometimes. Because I've got all this stuff up here for you. And I just want you to step into the battle. And I want you to be willing that you're going to destroy the enemy, whatever he tries to do to you and your family and everything else. We are more than conquerors through Christ, through his shed blood on the cross at Calvary. Exceedingly abundantly more than we can think or ask is what he wants to do for us. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syrian till you would have destroyed them. But now you will strike Syria only three times. You know what happened? Exactly what God said through his prophet. War one, war two, years later, war three, years later. Bam, beat them, destroyed them again three times. And then Syria overtook them. It was years later. But it's just exactly as God said. Because the king of Israel wasn't willing to believe that God could do it all. What 
Jesus began in you and me, he's going to complete it. Your life, your success, your battle plan, your purpose, all the things that you want to achieve in this life is not dependent on you or what you think that you're capable of, your skills, whatever it might be. It's dependent on him. And he wants you not just to win three times. He wants you and I to destroy the enemy every time that we battle him till the day the Lord comes back. Let's close with this. You know, probably looked at this verse, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 19, or 17 through 19. You probably looked at this three times last year. You know why? I feel it's so important. It's so important that how did we learn in grade school? Let's go back to grade school for a minute. Way back to grade school. <laughs> how did we learn? What would happen? Let me ask you something. What would happen when you got in trouble? I did. What would happen when you got in trouble? The teacher would say, you got to come up and write whatever it was on the chalkboard 200 times. You know, and I remember just writing all that, you know, and then you'd have to erase it all, and then you got to write again, and you had a kid. Recess, say go out, you got to stay, you're in there still, you know, doing whatever you're doing. Why do you remember that, whatever that line was? You know, I always listen to Mrs. Salisbury, you know, or whatever. It was one of my teachers, okay? All right, so why? Listen. Repetition. Whether it was learning in school or what you had to do, whether, you know, whether you're a nurse, whether you're a doctor, I don't know whether you drive a truck or you're a pilot. You, you have to constantly... Learn it again and again and again to remind you what it's saying so it's fresh in your mind. That's what God's Word does. I, and when I spoke on this same passage a year, year and a half ago, I, I brought a completely different message. That's how amazing His Word is, how He speaks to you. You're different than what you were a year ago. You're different. And what you need now is different than what you needed a year ago. And the Lord knows that. This is living and powerful. And the Spirit speaks to us and renews our mind every day. And we can go to the Lord and, Lord, forgive me. And by his grace, he says, you're cleansed. And we can see that he's always going to win. Because we believe him. So how does that happen? We're going to close with this. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 19. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you. Stop right there. You know, I've always struggled in school. Always. It was so difficult. I just had the hardest time. And I didn't, wasn't diagnosed with some form of dyslexia really till just not, you know, years ago. Probably, I don't know. 10 years ago, maybe a little bit longer. So I, I just, I mean, I just really struggled. It, it was difficult. And, and I just didn't, could, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Someone who was sitting next to me in school, I can remember whether it was grade school or college, it was just so frustrating. And 
they were able to do it. They just studied, book, did whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, they get an A. <laughs> you know, my, my C was an A. It's like, yes, thank you. I got, I got, I made it. I got through. All right, now, what am I saying? That's knowledge. Some of you, thankfully, but very gifted. You have that knowledge. That's great. What if the, what if the Lord worked out? What if he says, yeah, you're going to be on this, you know, I don't like the way you look. You're going to do it. I don't like, no, you're not getting that. No, no. And he just picked and chose who he wanted to do what. He doesn't do that. See, knowledge is this way. You study long enough, you do it long enough, you practice off, hopefully you'll, you'll get it. Wisdom. Wisdom, get this. Wisdom for your battles is a gift. That's what his word says. Let's read it further. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. What's the result of that? The result of that for your life today or what you've got to do tomorrow that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of glory in the inheritance of the saints. God's got something for you to inherit in this life, which is great. And all you have to do is say, Lord, I'm in a battle here. And you tell me all I got to do is, is not do what the king of Israel did. I'm going to keep coming back to you again and again and again. You tell me if I ask for wisdom, you'll give me as much as I need. You'll give it to me all the time. Question today, how long, how much, and when was the last time that you and I asked the Lord for wisdom? It's a gift. He wants to give you wisdom to be successful in this life. To have the home that you want to have. To be able to raise the kids that you, you want to raise. To be able to face adversity and tragedy and trouble. and tr To be able to triumph through all of it. And it's not dependent on you. It's dependent on, Lord, I'm in a battle here. Give me the wisdom that I need. And he says, I will give you the spirit of wisdom. In other words, here it is. And it's going to jump off the pages here into your heart, into your mind. And then you're going to be able to take the step of faith because you're going to be able to see into the future. Isn't that amazing? It says the hope of his calling. It says to, to reveal. He's going to reveal to you what you need to do. Even though it's a step of faith, he's going to show you exactly what to do. Because you're facing danger. Or he's got more for you. He's going to say, Lord, just give me wisdom for this battle that I'm facing. It says he will, in your spirit, will so give you the wisdom that you will think differently. And you will take that step. And he will put his hand on that bow and help you pull it back. And here's the last thing you do if you shot bows a lot like I have. When you pull a bow back and you pull it close as you can against your mouth, the very last thing that you do, that I do, is this. 
before you let the arrow go. You just let it out. Will you do that today? Everything that's in your mind, in your heart, and whenever you decide you got to let that arrow fly, and you're going to take that step of faith to the Lord, you take that deep breath, you know, breathe it in, you let it out. You know what that is? That's just whatever you're facing today, whatever you go through, whatever you see with your eyes, scares us. King of Israel is scared. Scares us. Whatever we see sometimes. Future. Kids. What they're going to face. What they're going to go through. Your grandkids. How are you going to make it financially? Maybe you're alone. I don't know. I know this. God has promised us to have victory in every area of our life. You might be in a great battle right now, but I want you to know. If you're willing to to say, Lord, I, I know I'm in this battle. And I know the devil's throwing everything he can at me. But you're going to let me see in the spirit. And by faith, I'm going to pick those arrows up and I'm going to strike the ground before I do. I'm going to let it all out. And the step of faith is the second you let go of that arrow, you know what? You're not in control of it anymore. The Lord is. Let him take the enemy down, and he will trust him today. Let's pray. So our heads are bowed today as Ben's going to lead us as we close in just a minute. She talked about last week that battle in our mind. We talked about how that we need to, to see clearly in one of the ways that we go to the Lord, even as a believer, and say, Lord, forgive me. I got I to gotta get back on track. And the Lord does, and he gives you clarity, and you start thinking the way you should again. And once we do that and we see this battle so in front of us, physically, mentally, sure, Emotionally, it's going to shake you a little bit. All of us face it in this life. Fear of the unknown, fear of the future. The craziness in our world, maybe it's your finances, maybe it's your relationships, especially your kids, grandkids. But no, the battle is won in our trust and belief in Jesus. Pull back today. Maybe your engine was getting ready to blow as you came in here. And know that, you know what, Lord? I know I got to step into this battle. I know I've got to strike the ground. But you've given me the victory. So I ask you that today, first as a believer, will you just know? If you follow him, you trust him, you obey him, believe him. Take a deep breath. He's, he, he, he's got something amazing for you. He really does. It doesn't depend on your knowledge. It doesn't depend on what you think you can do or not do. It depends on who you believe in. If you believe in Jesus, he's going to do it. Secondly, here today, if you 
if you don't know him as your Savior and the devil's deceived you, that misled you, that you can live this life on your own, uh, can't do it. So if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, we're going to give an opportunity as Ben leads us today for you to just invite Jesus into your heart to forgive you for all of your sins. Father, we, we ask you today, if there's someone here today that doesn't know you, may they come forward as Ben leads us today and I can show them in your word they can accept you as their Savior, find heaven as their home, and you will give them victory and equip them for this life and for all eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.